Hi, and welcome to Idaho Business Out Loud. We have a fun topic this episode. We're going to be discussing the Idaho wine industry. There is no better person to talk to about that than the executive director of the Idaho Wine Commission, Moya Dulsby. I'm going to be asking Moya about um, the successes of the Idaho wine industry, like what we're known for, what cool things we got going on, as well as the challenges and what kind of developments are we seeing ahead. So join me as I head over to the Wine Commission office to talk about Idaho wine. Well, thank you for being here with us today, Moya. I am so excited to learn about everything that the Idaho Wine Commission does. Um, can you start off by telling us a little bit about what you do and your background and sure. then we'll launch right in? Yeah, so I'm the executive director of the Great Growers and Wine Producers Commission. We're a self-governing state agency, so we focus on marketing and promoting all Idaho grapes and wine. Uh, it's definitely an agriculture focus. It's pretty great helping these vineyards and wineries succeed. And I came from the Washington Wine Commission. I was there for almost five years based in Seattle and then got recruited to come here. And I've, I've been in Idaho 11 years and I love it. I tell everybody it's all about your friends, your family, and your dog. And it's pretty awesome. I love that. That's, that's how it should be, right? right? Yeah. Friends, family, dog. <laughs> so um, what kind of reputation do Idaho wines have? Like, what are we known for as a particularly particular variety I wouldn't we don't really hang our hat on one variety and that could be people have opinions on this is this a good or a bad thing right because we do a lot of things well we have amazing Rieslings we have amazing Syrahs amazing Viognier's uh, Chardonnay Tempranillo so there's all these things and the reason why I'm hesitant to hang my hat on one thing is like when you think of Oregon what do you think about Oregon Pinot Noir, right? Well, Oregon does a lot of amazing other things. When you think of Napa, you think of Cabernet, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they also do grow a lot of other great things. And so why limit yourself? Mind you, not everyone's going to agree with me, right? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so Idaho recently got its own wine growing region. Yeah, so we have AVAs, and an AVA is an American dedicated ABA is an American viticulture area and it's a designated grape growing region and it makes it distinct like why is this area different than anywhere else in the country it's great for marketing it's great for differentiating yourself we actually have three the first one was approved in April of 2008 and then we have the Lewis Clark Valley ABA which is in Lewiston and then the Eagle Foothills ABA which is a sub ABA and it's within the Snake River Valley ABA so just for like conversation. The Snake River Valley ABA is 8,000 square miles and we're sitting in it right now. It's huge. Like, oh my what's exciting about it is like we don't even know where the grass grapes can be grown. Like there's so much potential that that's it's kind of mind-boggling, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. A lot of room for growth. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we got to talk stats and financials a sure. little bit. Um, how much money does Idaho's wine, wine industry bring in in like what specific categories, like right. buying wine, tourism, you know, right? Kind of so we just took an economic impact study, and it was just released. So when we it goes back a couple years, right, for numbers, and it found that we had a two hundred nine million dollar economic impact, which is pretty impressive for a relatively small region, right? Mm -hmm. And there was one hundred twenty million dollars in tourism. I mean, that's so. I mean, what I say too is like. People aren't necessarily coming here just to drink wine, right? Mm -hmm. But they're coming here when your parents come to visit. You know, they, they're they going out to eat. They're, then they're going to, oh, what else can we do? Let's go to a winery. So all of that is encompassing. When a conference comes in, they're looking for other things to do. Oh, we can go wine tasting after our conference. And this all adds the growth and impact and success of the wine industry. Yeah, that is really true. Whenever it's like, where do we want to go on a date or a birthday? It's like, go to, right. go to one of the Yeah, because it's an experience, right? Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. 
Um, so what are some opportunities for Idaho's wine industry that we haven't really taken advantage of yet? I think what we really need is we need more grapes in the ground. Uh, we need more funding uh, for anything to grow. You have to have you have to have money to go mm-hmm. around. We have to have signage, right? How I need to be to find a way to tell you how to get to the wineries. I mean, there's lots of little things. We need more restaurants to carry Idaho wine. Support local. I mean, I'm a big proponent of. You want me to go to your restaurant, right? So shouldn't you carry Idaho wine? Like, mm-hmm. I try not to get on too much on my high horse, but <laughs> I do. That's it. my job. <laughs> um, speaking of which. So you kind of work on like the marketing and getting the Idaho wines like out there, right? Right. That's one of the functions of the Idaho wine. Definitely. What are some of the other focuses that y'all work on? So we do a lot of marketing. We do a lot of putting on big events, Savor Idaho, Sipping in the City. We started a consumer uh, boot camp. It's called Camp Vino because people wanted to experience. They wanted to learn more, like more technical. How do we how do we go wine tasting? Mm -hmm. How do we learn about the vineyards? How do people prune? Um, and then we do definitely on education focus, we do industry boot camps because what we found is when you go into a restaurant or a wine buyer, they haven't been out to wine country. So we spend, we have two days where we do that in September and it's pretty awesome during harvest. We do media missions. So we'll bring in journalists from around the country and we'll tour them around wine country. We'll go to markets and talk about. So I just went to New York and it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's, time intensive but it's really great to go to the journalists and we get them excited and then they want to come out here and visit us now there's definitely legislation uh, cleaning up rules and securing funding um, trying to make operations better for the vineyards and wineries it's definitely across the board we have our big annual meeting that's it takes a lot of time Uh, just bringing education bringing speakers to help the wineries and vineyards perform better Mm-hmm. to learn uh, we are funded also by specialty crop grants so managing the grants actually takes quite a bit of time uh, we're extremely lucky that we've gotten those uh, but it's all like various projects it's, it's pretty great i mean you can't complain uh, but not every day is good right it's still it's called work for a reason right mm-hmm. so speaking of legislation what are some things that you'd like to see happen there well we i mean i'd love to increase our funding Mm-hmm. So we can do more. We're heavily reliant on specialty crop grants. And that it's great that we've been so lucky getting those, but it's not a good way to do business, right, when you're relying on grants. So we need to have more dedicated funding to do what we do. Uh, it'd be nice to have the option to increase our share of the wine excise tax. So we're funded by the wine excise tax, which is 45 cents a gallon, and we get we get two cents of that, which is 4%. That's not very much. The rest goes to the general fund, drug and alcohol abuse, all good things, right, that we mm-hmm. need to support. But also for this industry to grow and for us to have more economic impact, we need to get a bigger pot of the pie, right? Mind you, this is my opinion and what my job is to tout it. Um, so yeah, I would like to see our funding increase. However, that I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But mm-hmm. uh, another total legislation is we did bonded warehouse legislation. So wineries are getting bigger. So they're currently they didn't have a way to store their wine legally off-site if they didn't have a distributor. Really? Yeah, we got that cleaned up. So, But that's just one of the things that we have been working on mm-hmm. uh, this, this year. That's really interesting. Um, so to kind of focus in on, like, 
the wine itself and the grapes and stuff. Like, um, do wineries here, do they predominantly grow their own grapes? Do they buy them from elsewhere and import them? It's kind of across the board. So some wineries grow their own grapes and make their own wine. Uh, some wineries only make wine and buy all their fruit. And that's pretty common, like, to have a mixture of it. Uh, so we only have 1,300 acres planted in Idaho, which is great, but we need mm. more grapes. So what wineries are having to do is either plant more, but that when you plant a grape, it takes three to five years for that grape to mature. Really? So like even if we plant it today, they're not going to be ready for three to five years. So what am I going to do? Well, then I'm going to have to go to Washington to get grapes, mm-hmm. which is fine. I just really want you to use Washington, or I really want you to have Idaho fruit. But it's all, I mean... If that's what you have to do to make more wine, then you've got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, and that's I'm, that's such a like an investment to go into. But you said there's so much land that can be used, right? Oh, yeah, and I think people have opinions on that, too. There's still a lot of great land out there, and there's land that has water. It's just finding it, and maybe it's currently planted to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so what makes Idaho a good place to grow grapes? We are a high mountain desert, so our elevation ranges from... 2,000 to 3,500 square feet. So we have basically pretty ideal growing conditions. And you want, we have minerals in the soil. We have drainage. You want, we have rocks. And all of this makes it really hard for the grapes to grow. Ideally, you want grapes planted on a slope. So there's air drainage. Uh, We have great, the temperature, it's called the gerennial shift. So it's the temperature change. So we have hot days in the summer and cool nights. And that's when you get the balance of the acids and sugars. Mm -hmm. And that makes for these great, great wines and what you want. And another great thing about growing in Idaho is it gets cold, typically, gradually in the winter. So usually you don't have this bam, freeze, we're done. Mind you, it can happen, but usually it gets cold. And so the grapes are dormant over the winter and that kills our colder winters you know, they're not they're not as cold as they used to be kill off bugs and pests and so you want that so we have low pest and bug pressures which is also a positive yeah that makes a lot of sense how will climate change affect idaho's wine industry that's something i imagine is on the minds of a lot of people in the agricultural industry i, I mean it will make it better so with any type of grape just like your tomatoes right it needs mm-hmm. a certain number of heat degree growing days to ripen and so Syrah needs X amount of heat degree growing days, and Cabernet needs X amount. Cabernet needs longer heat, more heat degree growing days. So we will, with climate change, we will grow better Cabernet. That's interesting. I mean, we'll grow better wines, yeah. I think it's a really like topic fun to like geek out about. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I do kind of want to touch on development as well. So what kind of pressure are wineries and vineyards getting from you know, development, because that, that's happening a lot in other agricultural fields. Yeah, it's definitely encroaching, and I think we need to do our best to try to secure agriculture lands, right? I mean, I understand that people need a place to live, right? We all mm-hmm. need a home, uh, but how do, how do we protect the agriculture land that's ideal for growing grapes or, or any crop for that matter? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really... We try to educate as best as we can and preserve, but it's also interesting too. So that farmer, who am I to tell that farmer that you can't go sell your land that you've, oh yeah, and get exactly. a big payout? So it's an interesting dilemma and debate for sure. 
What are some of the, the points, the sales pitches you use to win that debate? I say that uh, being in the wine industry, I try not to use words like nice and fun a lot, but it's fun. We have a, a great time and the people who want to be in it, you're not in the wine industry because you have to be. It's a choice. You you want to be. We have a great life. It's beautiful. You're growing something. Uh, you're creating and you're part of this community that wants to make Idaho a better place, as corny as that sounds, and show that we have this amazing wine. And I mean, even when I'm traveling, like people are not surprised anymore that like, oh, you have wine in Idaho? Like, most people in the wine world know this. I'm just shocked when consumers know this. That's what like gets me. And so it's not as hard a sale as it used to be, mm-hmm. especially with so many people moving here. I'm getting calls several calls every week about starting a winery or starting a vineyard. And so then a lot of times I have to slow people's roll. Like, wait, do your research. Don't just go and start it. You're not the right land. You need to have the right things in place before you go. So it's a passion. Oh, it's totally a passion. Um, speaking of consumers, um, so how is it predominantly sold? Do people come and do they buy one bottle? Is it restaurant stocking? What are kind of the trends there? Yeah, every winery is different. We're definitely seeing more wine being shipped, shipped to consumers because everyone's traveling, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, you have to, most Idaho wineries will ship. You can't ship to every state because there's different rules. Um, but a lot of wineries are selling more in their tasting room because there's only around 225,000 cases of Idaho wine sold and it, it fluctuates every year so relatively that's not that much in the big wine world so you sell that predominantly a lot out of your taste room but every winery has a different makeup like some oh i want 50 percent to be in restaurants or i want to sell 75 or 80 percent out of my tasting room and that's all business choices on what you how you want to sell oh i only want to sell through wine club and i'm only going to be open two times a year okay right whatever you want to do but I think I want to say to the consumer to answer your question of do people buy one bottle, two bottles? I mean, it's across the board. Like, I oftentimes buy by the case because I have two little kids and then I just don't have to go as often. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Doesn't go bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it will go bad over a period of time, but it will take a while. Yeah. Um, to dial back to construction, uh, I've heard that some Idaho wineries are using opportunity zones fun construction how much of that is there in Idaho there's not a ton that I am aware of I would love to see more I know Caldwell they're definitely trying to encourage uh, growth and I would love to see more opportunity zones and more funding for that too quite honestly like how do we incentivize people to plant and wineries to build a winery like Garden City for example I mean, there's several wineries now and breweries and gardens, which is amazing, right? And that's been great for that town of bringing tax dollars in, right, and raising property values. Even in downtown Boise, there's tasting rooms popping up. So it's keeping people, it's bringing a reason for people to come downtown. Look at Destination Caldwell, right, in downtown Caldwell. I mean, they're they're really focusing on agriculture, and it's, it's working. Uh, it's pretty impressive to see the, the change. But I think we can have more. I think people also, too, have to be aware of the economic impact. They want to see the numbers. Oh, wow, it brings a $209 million economic impact. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, yeah. 
There we go. So there could be more. There can always be more, right? I'm a pusher. <laughs> um, so, you know, people here in the Idaho wine industry, great place to go grapes. Are some of the, the vineyards being started, are they people moving out of state here specifically to do that? Or are they cropping up amongst, like, local Idahoans? It's definitely across the board. I think uh, a lot of it, when I say a lot, like, it is all different. Like, a little bit of people who've grown up here and then moved away, got training in Washington, and then come back. Or there will be... Somebody who's in their 40s was had an amazing career, and now I want to. I'm having a family. I want to do something different, and I have, now have the money to start a winery. Or you'll have that retired person who's like, "Hey, I've always wanted to plant a vineyard. Isn't this nice?" I mean, it's definitely different. I think we're seeing more young people uh, lately wanting to start because Idaho is approachable. Uh, there's this collaborative spirit where people want to help each other. Uh, which is and the, and the barriers to entry are lower. It's more everything's more affordable in Idaho. I mean, land's cheaper, water's cheaper. Like everything's more affordable. And there's a lot of sharing going on. Like if you need a press, oh, you can use mine. Like that collaboration, which is also fun, right? You want to work together. Uh, but we have we get calls a lot, and I try to connect the dots and get people in the right place, right? And trying to figure out what do you really want to do? Because oftentimes I'll have someone come in like, we want to have a vineyard and winery. Well, do you want to make wine? Or do you really want to be out there in the vineyard? So asking them the right questions and leading them, oh no, we, we want to have a winemaker. We just want to have a brand. Oh, okay. Then you can kind of get them to go where they want to go and have success and that's but yeah we're having a lot of people move up here I mean we just had a new um, vineyard manager come from Oregon and he's this young guy it's great I mean I love seeing the young people sound so old uh, come in because I started when I was young and that's how we continue to grow and then they bring their friends so to kind of sum up, is there, you know, like a thought, some information that you want to leave our listeners and readers with that you feel is important for them to know? I think that everybody should be drinking Idaho wine and that they should be trying it because they want to support this industry. But we also, we live here or you're visiting here and we need to support our local communities. Yeah, I said that's drink local. Right. Where are some good places to get Idaho wine locally other than, you know, just going to the vineyard itself? Yeah, so in Boise, Boise Co-op, uh, Whole Foods, there is uh, your wine shops. I mean, Albertsons, they have amazing selections. And that's the thing, too, these, the wine stewards, there's ask questions, right? And I also say drink what you like. If you don't like it, dump it out and try another one. It's hip to spit is what I say, too. <laughs> so, anyways, Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely some good stuff. I I had this amazing huckleberry wine at my wedding. That was a local one. Right. And like, oh my goodness. My family from Arizona came here. They're like, where can we order this? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they will ship. They mm-hmm. will ship it to you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's thank been you. Fascinating to learn. I'm excited to share yes. it with um, our subscribers. Yes, thank you.